<laughs> Kings explaining his voice for no reason. Yeah, to yeah, 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 This is America. Good morning. Good morning. Today is Wednesday, and this is the Urban Talk Radio 103.5 FM WNHHLP, where you will hear conversation, information, education, inspiration, and motivation from the American urban perspective. I am your host, Kinsley Osei, and my co-host, Shafiq. And in the studio today with us, we have Ismail Abduzbar, who's 26 years old, police officer of New Haven, Connecticut. And uh, he's also a micro developer and uh, a homeowner, to my knowledge. Um, today on the Urban Talk Radio, you can join the conversation on Facebook at Bull Minds and Twitter at Bull Minds. Also on my Facebook page, Kinsley OSEI. You can also stream this show on your smartphone or computer by logging on to newhavenindependent.org. And uh, today we will be talking about the uh, millennial vote, the, you know, the millennial vote, aka Generation Z. And, um, you know, maybe a little bit of the uh, reality show announcement from last night from the former two-time, two-time non-MVP. Oh, no, two times MVP impeached president. There you go, man. Yeah, I'm going all the way up. All Fair way. and unbiased. Fair and unbiased. Hey, you could, you could bring it on if you want. I'm biased with it. He is yeah. two times. Fair and unbiased. Two, radio, times, in, two times impeached. Two times impeached. Lost, lost three times. The House, the Senate, three times, and um, you know he announced that he's rerunning for president again. He also have like a million cases pending. So America, um, we trust that you know we got more brains on 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 us than what this party is offering us. With that being said, Shafiq, how are you, brother? How are you, man? How are you? In the studio, man. This piece is real right now. No, today shout out to our producer Harry. You know who uh, before he left, I wanted to unload on him. The 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 uh, the, the, uh, the what do you call the red tsunami that was supposed to come through after the state that we're in. There is no way that party should not took the house and the senate. But Shafiq, I told you so many times on this show that I just don't get that people actually vote for candidates who offers them nothing. And I think the American people finally got it you together. You voted for Biden, party. right? Please don't please don't interrupt me. We we are winners over here. Don't interrupt me. You please. voted for Biden, right? You lost please, the house. Please, of please do not interrupt me. All right. So what I'm saying is finally, finally, the generation Z stepped in to say that you know what? You're not just gonna oppose, oppose, and oppose your way into not doing nothing for us. I talk about this thing all the time, and I have questioned you, my brother Shafiq, that. I trust that when you was out there running for office when you won, you did not just go out there opposing. I believe that you told the people what you were going to do, just so that when you got in, they can make sure that they're still on top of you to make sure you do exactly what you promised. And I recall Mitch McConnell telling his people that don't promise them anything. They, you know, matter of fact, we don't even have to debate. And we could yeah, get in this thing easily. Debate. When you don't say nothing bad, you ain't got to worry about them coming after you. And they tried that. Um, and, um, you know, I trust that the country really made a good choice and say, you know what, hopefully, and independence went for yeah. the Democrats. Independence, Arizona, you know, three times they've been trying to steal election out there. And they're like, you know what, we're tired of it already. Um, you always talk about the black vote. This time around, I'm not even going to credit it to the black vote. I'm going to credit it to the Generation Z, the young that generation Z get out and vote though. That's, I mean, I keep hearing that. Did they vote? The, the millennial vote. 
Um, yeah, they did. Um, the millennials, Michigan, did the reason why there's a um, you know Democratic Michigan governor right now. Um, I believe they played a role in Arizona. They played a role in a lot of other places, and I believe that's why we do have um, our special guest today, um, Ismail, to talk about the Generation Z uh, voters. Um, you know what's going on, man? Please reintroduce yourself, brother. What's going on? Ismail Bisabar, I'm a uh, New Haven police officer. Homeowner. Bro, he look more African than you, Kenzie. <laughs> he surely <laughs> does. Darker than me, too. Bro. He surely does. He do look more African than you, He surely I'm not going to dispute that. No, more and more. I'm not going to dispute it. Yeah, man. Go ahead. Yeah, that's, go okay. Ahead, that's okay. I'm proud of my heritage. I'm proud. Of, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a concoction of everything. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a oh, yeah. homeowner. I'm a, I'm a, oh, yeah, I'm a micro developer. He's an African so, and he knows what's it. happening. Go ahead. I, I, I'm of African descent. Um, you know, uh, just uh, I'm just a little bit of I'm just a little bit of everything. I'm a little bit of everything. So let's ask a question. So you are, we won't have to guess, but you're 26, right? So, um, the question is, you got other friends that's 26, 25, 24. What what are y'all talking about in terms of what what is y'all take on these elections? I mean. You, it sounds like all the adults, all the over 50s are running their mouth. What, what do y'all say? Um, you know, I would say that, you know, the election process itself is a constant conversation. Um, whether or not somebody is coming out to actually vote around my age bracket, that's a brief conversation. We don't, it's not a big, uh, it's not a big thing. Um, I think that the fact that it's not a huge thing, actually voting itself, is probably a major contributing factor to whether or not people come out and actually vote. Um, but we absolutely do talk about, you know, obviously, you know, those big ticket items, you know, climate change, Donald Trump, abortion, uh, you know, Joe Biden, you know, the stuff that they, you know, social media puts out today, you know, now more than ever, social media is putting out a lot um, of information, whether it's related to an election or not, regarding political candidates. So, personal so where do like where that. do where does your generation your generation is the millennials? Is that that's right? They have right. I was born in I was born in ninety six, so it's always a it's always it's a cusp. But I'm like I'm, I'm like so you're right in the middle, of, right in the middle. I'm like one of those people that's so, right. So in there's the millennials and there's Gen Zs. There's millennials and Gen Z. Millennials don't like to claim Gen Z. Gen Z don't like to claim. So you're like a everybody. You're like a you're like a male Gen Z. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So so my question is, where do you all primarily get all of your information around voting to come up with, uh, you know, to get your overview? Like, is is it social? Because apparently y'all are being targeted on social media. So is that where y'all are forming your opinion on social media? And I think that's the largest, and I think that's the largest um, problem is that we are, uh, you know, well, most of the information that we receive regarding the political process and political candidates are going to be on social media, specifically Facebook and Instagram, either shared, you know, not articles directly from, you know, the .gov sites, but, you know, memes, um, CNN, you know, clippets, uh, YouTube shorts, uh, Instagram and Facebook reels. Uh, people's stories, people making and poking fun at, you know, little snippets of articles or little snippets of things that people said that, you know, it's not the whole story. So you kind of form your opinion around like a partial, you know, like, like a part of the story. And that's where, you know, there is that sort of kind of like that disconnect in which why, uh, you know, I, I think probably sways us away from voting a little bit more because, the social media focuses more on the person than it does on the policy. Now, that's pretty interesting. So they don't, so you're saying they fo focus more on talking about each other rather than talking about the problems. Like I would say, like for example, my Facebook page, I'll probably, my Facebook page, I will come across some more posts about, you know, Joe Biden stumbling on his words or um, you know, him, you know, stumbling down a pair of steps or somebody making fun of the way he walks in a reaction video than I will about somebody commenting on his, you know, stance on climate change or gun violence or, you know, the actual political view. It's more about, you know, they care more, it's more about his character that's being shared because that's the stuff that garners attention. Shafiq, it sounds like how fraudulent 
social media really, really is. I like it's really, really. I mean, you had your man just came out and endorsed Republicans, you know, for, um, during the election. Um, while the same person says that he's coming in to make sure that there is a balance and he's not going to take any sides. What's his name? Um, on Who's the that? Twitter, uh, uh, what's his name? Who? Owner of the Twitter, just bought a Twitter. What's his name? I can't remember. Are you talking about Elon Musk? Yes. Musk was supposed to come in immediately and enforce some type of freedom of speech or whatever, whatever. And first he come in and fire everybody that's supposed to be solve, helping solving the problem. And then in the 11th hour, he endorses Republicans. So based on what he's saying, you know, there is a truth, you know, you we can imagine what's going on in the backhand, but whenever you bring them out to testify in Congress, we never get the answers because one party always defends them to not even give us um, the, the answers. So basically he's saying that they are targeted based on the information that is in front of him. And those information is not just coincidence. Well, I don't think it's a just a targeting of misinformation. I think uh, I think of it as as social media has exasperated like what's hot, um, it, and that also has swayed political parties. You know, but uh, if you was, up, but if you say it's not a target, that is like questioning how do how does ad I don't on I your don't think page? they I don't think they can control I don't think social media can control everything that goes viral. For example, like Elon Musk buying Twitter, like I don't think that they ever took into account that more people that people would care more about what elon musk tweets <laughs> about kanye west or him doing a, a interview show you know with joe rogan uh, I, I don't think they can control like you know everything that goes by i think like stuff like that they try to capitalize on it um but i think they're just kind of taking advantage of the fact that you know what bubble pops up at the time so if that's you, the hot topic they try to capitalize on it you are mistaken when you say they cannot control because a chick may, you know, we we the nobodies, we can say the little West thing and we are censored. People of power say stuff that are not censored that, you know, like it could be a chick out there with the, her butt ass wide open or whatever it is that they're doing and they just let it flow. I can say something like the word nigger and that will be censored automatically. Or somebody of power in Congress, his freedom of speech and his First Amendment right is different than you and our freedom of speech. You understand what I'm saying? So if you say oh, that you I don't think that's a, so if you that's say a conversation that you, you got to have with. Say it again. That's a, that's a conversation you got to have with Kanye West because I ain't getting canceled. No, I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not talking about Kanye West. I'm not, I'm, this is not even about Kanye West. This is the conversation we have in versus tech. I'm just trying to tell you that tech can control anything that they want. They no, they definitely, they definitely, um, we, you know, I, I, I agree that they definitely obviously control you know, the things that's being said, the things that's not being said. I think the person that it probably explained the best was probably Dave Chappelle when he tried to introduce certain topics into his um, Chappelle show and they basically told him, heck no. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, we obviously see in today's, you know, today's examples of various people that even are um, celebrities, I guess you could say, people that are rich people that are famous that are trying to go off script, right? And they're basically either being railroaded or they somehow go back on script. You see a pattern, like, really, I, I see the pattern. I just don't think that it's, you know, everything. I don't think that, you know, I guess you could say the powers that be can control everything that stirs up and goes viral, you know, or everything that becomes like super popular. They just try, you know, but when it does pop up, you know, they absolutely will probably have the ability to, to capitalize on it. Um, I think that as far as younger voters, um, they have to figure out a proper way to capture that, um, to try to get them to, you know, come out and vote more often, especially now as, um, you know, I, I would say, you know, those hot topics are now becoming more relevant to younger generations, which probably is contributing to them actually getting out and voting more than they did, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Do you know what is viral now? What number is viral now? Uh, mental health. No, mental no, no. Health. Do you, no. Do you know that the digits of what you consider when something goes viral? It used to be it used to be 50,000 years ago. When, do you know what it is now? What what number you must 50, hit? Fifty thousand years. What are you talking about? No, for you for something to be considered viral. Fifty thousand years. I think back in twenty fourteen, when you when you were able to get about fifty thousand hits, it was. You're saying fifty thousand views. Views. I mean views. Yeah, where that's what. 50, I mean. Where did you get fifty thousand years from? I said fifty thousand hits. I think that's what I said. Anyway, you're right. 
50,000 hits or 50,000 yeah, like views. Biden. <laughs> 50,000 hits or 50,000 views is the same. That's considered viral. When, you know, um, now I think it's in the millions. You know, you have to hit probably like a million or two um, to be considered um, viral. So as it's climbing, before it even hit viral, it had to alert um, somebody some way, somehow. But anyway, Shafiq, go ahead. So here's my question. So because the reality is I watch a lot of news and interviews, and I have not heard anybody interviewing millennials about this voting thing at all. I haven't heard anybody. Um, so what are the top, if a candidate is trying to get the votes of the millennials, and I realize that you're not speaking for all millennials, right? I have, but, that's because you but, don't watch you, CNN, that's you you are, CNN, but I have. I, I don't watch, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't watch CNN. It's as much as I used to, it's a charade. It's completely biased, and it, it completely went rogue since Andrew Cuomo left. Absolutely. It's straight up corny. But that's just my opinion, right? Because I might need CNN to do some coverage for me one day. Um, what are the top five issues that catches millennials' ear around getting them out to the polls? How do we get millennials out to the polls? If you're a candidate, what are the top five things that you need to be hitting on? And and I'm, when I ask you the top five, I'm, I'm I'm understanding that that the candidate may not hit all five, right? So I got five shots. The candidate has five shots to get get. How many does it take to get you out to the poll out of five? And what are the five? So I would say it's going to vary by culture. Um, okay. Obviously for um, you know, obviously for minorities, uh, up here is going to be gun violence, you know, civil rights. When you rights, say minorities, what because minorities mean a lot of things, a lot of people. All right. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say that, um, you know, uh, you know, like African-Americans, Hispanics, um, you know, uh, I would, I would even say that with this, uh, with, you know, a little with the COVID crisis happened. Um, those in the Asian community that are susceptible to it, people that are being people that are being affected by gun violence in impoverished areas, the cultures that surround that, their mm -hmm. hot topics are going to be things that affect them directly, which is going to be civil rights, racial discrimination, gun violence. You can put that on the same category. Definitely housing. Um, it's going to be healthcare, um, and I guess you can wrap in like mental health. Those are those are really like the huge big items. Um, since this abortion turn happened. Women's rights have become a huge hot topic issue because it directly affects these, um, you know, um, you know, millennial females and millennial women as, you know, the I guess you could say the increase of, um, you know, the increase of uh, our acceptability of premarital sex that's been happening um, over over the coming years. More and more, you know, we had the teen to teen mom show that happened, I think, like 15 years ago, stuff like that. So that stuff is now affecting. Um, you know, millennials more as millennials are getting older and starting to have, you know, more children and starting to develop families. That stuff is a huge women's rights and women's health and reproductive system is becoming a huge hot topic thing. And that's not something that gets extends to women. Obviously, that stuff, um, you know, goes to men, too, because, uh, you know, uh, child support is a real thing. Um, having a child right. and being able to have to take care of that child is a real thing. So that stuff's going to affect uh, people more susceptible to have children at younger ages. Um, which by large is going to now be millennials and um, in the Gen Z population. That's going to be an important hot topic. Um, I would not say, it might not be in the top five, but I would say for people where gun violence and civil rights issues does not affect them, um, I do not think that that will be as high on the totem pole. It actually might be more poverty and homelessness. Um, you know, people and, and, and drug abuse. Uh, you know, there's the fentanyl epidemic. Uh, now that has, and, and the legalization of marijuana, um, you know, homelessness and drug abuse is sort of kind of going hand in hand. Uh, millennials are now more concerned about um, that because that stuff definitely affects them. Um, I think what's going to get millennials to come out and vote, um, which I think candidates are doing now, are really focusing and having a concrete plan on things that affect millennials now. And eventually, as they get older, or as you see them getting older, things are going to affect them in the future. Um, it's going to be like, you know, the future of healthcare reform, um, the future of the retirement um, sector, whether it's going to be you know, the death or the revival of pensions and, you know, uh, 401k is what our social security plan is going to look like down the road because at the rate that we're going, our social security plan 
is going to be failing. Our debt to income ratio as a country is going to eat up all of our, um, you know, um, government benefits, um, and especially towards retirement. That's often one of the first things to go because, you know, when you're in survival mode, the first thing you think of now, you don't think about later. So um, I think those are probably the hot topics, depending on, you know, which side of the, you know, which, you you know, which side of the coin you want to look. You you said a whole lot, and um, I that said that brother's a spire, bro. That no, 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 he's on fire. He, he's on fire. He said a whole lot. I have a thing in front of me, and um, I'm taking notes, bro. I am taking notes. You the first. I'm gonna keep it a buck, man. I'm gonna keep it a buck. Hold on up, real. This, you the first guest that I've had. We've had in a long time that I opened up my computer and took notes. I normally don't take that. <laughs> I'd be over here drinking. <laughs> I'll be drinking coffee and arguing with Kingsley. You got me clicking on the key on the keyboard. There bro. you go. There you go. Yeah, there real talk. Go. Real talk, man. So, so basically, I'm um I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and then I'm gonna take a five minute. Tell um, Don Lamar, come take notes. I'm gonna take a five minute break real quick to do something and then I'm gonna let you take it from here. Um, right. Well, I like the red headphones. Where you get them from? You found them. That is a little Wayne uh, special edition of the um, what do you call it of the um, of the beats. They don't make them no more. It's limited edition. Oh, right. okay. This is the Urban Talk Radio 103.5 FM WNHHLP. I am your host, Kinsley Osei, my co-host, Shafiq. And uh, if you are just joining us today on Urban Talk Radio, you can join the conversation on Facebook at Bowmice and Twitter at Bowmice. Also, on my Facebook page, Kinsley O-S-E-I. Um, we, we do have a special guest, um, Ismail Abdul-Zabar, 26 years old. Um, Shafiq, take it from here. I'll be right back. Yeah, go ahead. Dun, 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 dun. So, yeah, so listen, that, that was the very part. So I was going to ask you, get even more like specific because you are a homeowner and then you know you own a couple of properties, right? So we have to frame the show so that people can understand that. So you are a little different than most 26 years old. You know, you're, you're a law enforcement officer, so you're in a career. Um, which you've been in for now, what, three years, close to three years. Yeah. Um, you're married, you have a kid, child, and you have another child on the way. Um, and then you have and then you have two properties, right? So in a scope of, of a lot of understanding, you're different than probably many other millennials and Gen Z. You're a rare. You're kind of like a very rare breed of that group. You are a homeowner, you are a husband, you're a father, and you have a career. And so you're a taxpayer over two courses, over one investment property, vehicle. Um, you have to deal with issues around health care and pensions. With children, you have to think about your future. Does that change how you look at in somebody in your quadrant. So I guess my question is, as a 26-year-old, are you voting more in the mindset of, let's just say a Generation X, right? I think that's close to my generation. I'm born in 67. I think I fall maybe one year shy of, I think I am in Generation X. I'm not really sure, but I might fall one year shy of Generation X. I'm 55. Are you vote? Does, does that change the way you think and you're holding more along the lines of a 45, 46-year-old? Or do or do you still clamp down on, I guess you would say, your, your top five area? Um, I think, you know, I believe that as, I think that the reason why millennials and Generation X vote so differently than, um, I'm sorry, Gen, Gen Z and millennials vote so differently between Generation X and the baby boomers and those that come before them um, is because of the age range at which they accumulate assets and responsibilities. I think that as you accumulate assets and responsibilities, you care more about politics because politics, you, you can feel it a little bit more, right? If you're, if you know, a pile, uh, you know, if you know, if a political, um, you know, let's say candidate or a specific policy affects your taxes and you're paying rent, that doesn't really affect you. But you know, if a new, you know, mayor comes in or a new senator and a governor, new president, your taxes jump and you have a, you know, a, a, you know, you have a, 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 you know, a sizable house or even just a, uh, you know, regular size house that may not have the best taxes and your taxes jump, you know, 
$20,000, you got to pay an extra, you know, we got to pay an extra three, $400. You feel that. Right. You care about that more. You know, when you're, you know, when you have a family, you know, and you see how, you know, the lack of coverage is not, is affecting your family, you care about that stuff more. So I think that as you get more, you know, accountability and responsibility and, and as you get more assets, you're, you care more about those um, policies directly and specifically what they are and not just the candidate. And I think that as time have went on over the past 50 years, the age at which uh, we're just accumulating, you know, starting families, we're starting families later, we're getting houses later, um, we're accumulating wealth at a later at a later age. Yeah, they're gonna, you know, there's those people that become, we're getting, we have the largest boom of youngest millionaires, but those are, you know, far and few in between. Um, you know, the majority of the population is getting those response, you know, or is basically, I want to say advancing, but going through those next stages of life at a later age back when, you know, when you were, you know, my age, you know, 26, um, you know, in a house wasn't, you know, that wasn't rare. Um, starting right, a family, right. actually getting married and starting a family was not rare. You know, people now, you know, we have children, um, you know, but they're, you know, they're not married, they're living separately, all kinds of you know, all kinds of stuff, the short-term relationships that, you know, had, a, you know, and the kitty falls out of it and then the parents go apart, that kind of stuff, but actually settling down and having a family, that stuff doesn't happen. So people are getting into their, into their thirties, um, you know, sometimes 40, sometimes people, um, 50. So I think that as you just get those things, um, you know, your priorities are going to change and you probably will become more serious about voting and be more serious about who you vote for. You know, you might care more about the policy than you will about, about the person. I think that you'll find that as uh, another hot topic, which will um, change the way people vote, um, is going to be as more and more young people and as you know, more and more African-Americans start getting their um, pistol permit and gun license. I think that's really going to, once people mm. um, start ascribing to uh, purchasing, to legally purchasing and acquiring and holding firearms, um, you know, that's going to become a hot topic because they're going to be able to retain that. So would you be saying that Second Amendment rights will be something that uh, will make it onto the list of... I, so one thing is for sure, um, and I don't have the national poll data in front of me, but I do know that during COVID, the majority percentage gun owners in America that purchased firearms were African-Americans. And they said that African-Americans are becoming the uh rising percentage of gun purchasers and gun owners in the US over the last um three, four years. I mean, <laughs> since Charlottesville. Let's let's put it that way. Since Charlottesville. Um and they are getting younger. I know when I was in law enforcement, the the amount of people that were coming in to get gun permits often were young African American males. Um, and young African-American females. Are you suggesting that gun rights will become a new, because you mentioned gun violence. You mentioned, I think, safety, gun violence. You didn't really say safety, you said gun violence. Are you suggesting that gun rights will become part of the, of the added to the top five? I think it, I think it already is. I just think it's not, it was not something, I think that the form of gun rights has never been merged before with, with, with the African-American community, it was gun violence. It was, right. you know, how do we prevent our community from being susceptible to the, to the to negative side, to the circ, what happens when you circumvent gun rights, gun rights right? Somebody right. illegally purchases a firearm, makes an emotional decision and attempts or succeeds in taking a life. I think when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to the other side, I guess you could say suburban America, um, you know, there, um, when it comes to gun violence, it would, you know, it's, it's mass shootings. It's how do we, um, you know, how do we prevent, how do we prevent people with mental health issues uh, from, you know, acquiring uh, firearms? What kind of, how can we make it more difficult for these firearms that can, pre, you know, potentially commit these mass shootings or make it easier um, to make it harder for them to be acquired, to make it harder for um, the actual action to take, you know, what, you know, what, you know, whether bans or, um, circumstance or modifications can the ATF make to just make it harder for, you know, misuse of a firearm to happen. So I think now that we have more African-Americans purchasing and seeking to purchase firearms, you know, the the the, the topics will eventually be merged, um, especially as, um, you know, they start increasing 
you know, the taxes on just having to firearms, the methods in which these firearms can be used. Um, you know, um, certain firearms um, have, you know, restrictions where it'll make the gun probably, you know, it might be a nice, might be a nice firearm, you know, but it might be unpractical because, you know, it was originally, you know, a Connecticut other, but it has to, you know, then be a, uh, classified as a you know regular long hunting rifle, so they might have to you know fuse the part shut, which makes it you know almost impossible to you know fire at a um, you know at a rate to make it necessary for home defense, um, you know stuff like that. So as as people, I think that as you know um, African Americans purchase more firearms, you get more educated about the process of owning a firearm, training um, you know gun safety, um, educating your children, educating their children. About firearm safety, I think that um, you know, and as you know, millennials and as Gen Z people get older and they start, you know, caring more and more about the voting process, how that affects them, um, I think that that's when that will become like a mandated, like hot topic for something for them to speak on. So let me ask you this: right now, given the two parties, there's basically well, there's three parties. They say that. Um, uh, Independents are becoming one of the largest growing um, new political groups pretty much in the country, definitely in the state of Connecticut, a uh, very large number of independents in the state of Connecticut. What, you know, if we were to use that, I guess, working party, Democrat, Republican, just from your perspective, and I'm asking you from, you know, the, your friends in your age group that you talk to, what parties do you all feel that you identify with the message? Is it is it about party or is it about message? You know, and it's unfortunate to say this, it's about the person. Um, it's about the person. I mean, I'm not speaking for myself. I'm speaking for the general collective of just the people that I've interacted with and the people that I've had these conversations with um, that fall into that age bracket of Gen Z and thing. You know, um, you know, we often say, you know, it's not the message, it's the first, you know, it's the person who says the message, it's the person's mouth that comes out of it, right? If you, if someone tells you not to do something because it's not a bad idea and you absolutely detest that human being, then you're not going to listen. Even if he tells you, you know, if you fall 20 stories, you're actually going to die, you know, they're not going to listen because they dislike you. And I think that's the, I think the biggest thing that regardless of your political party coming down the road, we all know that the biggest spenders when it comes to social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, is going to be the two main parties. It's going to be, you know, um, Democrat and Republican. I think that if somebody that wants to be, that wants to run as an independent, run as the Green Party, or run as an alternative party, they want to make a big impact, they're either going to have to match the money or they're going to have to naturally um, go viral or just naturally get out there through some organic means um, that's hopefully not something that defames their character. A lot of the mm -hmm. stuff that naturally and organically goes viral now is unfortunately stuff that defames people's character right um so but you I say so you said person. it's about the person you, you said something really interesting so you said it's about the person so um you know you take uh you know the, the more previous candidates i mean if they're all on the same level in terms of what what separates them if they kind of like you know going to be it's going to be i mean it, i mean study show it's going to be their age it's going to okay. be you know it's going to be their attractiveness you know how good you know you know how how good looking they are it's right so if you got tall, swag if you got swag, swag if you dress cool you know, it's that kind of think about it this way think about it this way imagine if barack obama ran as a republican would he still win I, tough, right you can't yeah. say no for sure you can't say yes for sure right, you have right. to think about it for a while because right. he was a young guy he was african-american he was in touch with his roots he had that swag everybody liked him you know regardless of whatever decisions you agree about made about him right. um you know articulate he became president when he ran he ran as that guy it was like Barack Obama's that guy even if they didn't like him or they ran as or right. they were both republican they were like dad this dude actually might win you know, it was, right. Republicans, it was a scary thought. You, can, you can't imagine Obama want. running as a Republican. Ain't nobody that cool as a Republican, man. Stop it. It's a grand old party. But I, so, so, so since you, so since you missed the thing, the, the, the question was, are old. The, the, the point, the point I, the point I made was, you know, what's going to get younger people to vote, especially with political candidates, it's not going to be the policy. It's mm -hmm. going to be the person. 
Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter the message, what they say, they detest the person, they're not gonna listen. Um, and I think that's gonna be the you know the biggest influencing factor. Um, I think the good so, news is we're getting younger candidates. So we're about to uh, wind off. We probably got like uh, maybe 10 minutes. And I, yeah. I did make a little note. And you are the right person for me to grill on uh, these notes. A um, few months ago, back in the summer, like I said, I went to um, Michigan, very small town of Michigan while I was out there camping. And I had a chance to uh, chop it up with the young police officers such as yourself, your age group. And when I asked him why did he want to become a police officer, he said because he wanted to make a difference. He lived very close to Lansing. He wants to make a difference. However, he does not believe systemic racism exists. So that's when it all, that's when I had to take a couple of more shots of that bourbon to make sure that I was <laughs> I was ready for what I was in for. And you know, we had hours and hours of um, conversation. We were there for you know for quite some time. So long story short, you know, it just didn't match. You can say you want to be make a difference when you are a law enforcement officer very close to the problem, but you don't believe that that problem even exists. So long story short, um, there was a note over here that I wanted to read leading to the question that I'm gonna ask you. Um, So this is a quote from Mitch McConnell about their losses, the Republicans lost. He says, we underperform among independents and moderates because their impression of many of the people in our party and leadership roles is that they are dogged in chaos, negativity, excessive attacks. He told reporters at the Capitol following a closed door caucus meeting and a frightened independent and moderate Republican voters. This is from the leader of their party saying why the law. This is not coming from me giving you spins, being biased. This is them finally dissecting the problem that, you know what, we got to start telling people what we want to do versus the scare tactic politics that they do. And it works every time. You know, if something's not broken, you're not going to fix it. They've been using this scare tactic politics and it works all the time. For me, until I think the millennial and the Generation Z stepped in this time and said, you know what, we're not having it among the independent. I always wonder who are these independents? How are you independent, but you don't care about both sides working together to really solve a problem? How are you independent and somebody's not telling you what they're going to do for you, but you still vote for them? And um, yesterday during Trump's announcement last night, he started ranting about law enforcement, all these good things that he's going to do for law enforcement and how he is for law enforcement. And this relates to you as well. You got GOP people running on violence. These people are running on violence. However, we don't see them being a part of the solution to solve the violence. We have gun violence in our community. When they talk about violence, they're not talking about the violence that's happening in our community. They talk about violence, about how it scared them that it's getting close to their suburban areas. That's the only time they want to talk about violence when they get closer to them. They don't care about us shooting each other in our community, how the guns get into our community. That is none of their concern. But we so don't these care people, about us shooting each other either. No, they don't. Sorry. All right. We don't. So, but hold up. So, um, and then you also talked about social security. You know, Rick Scott, who's also, you know, responsible for, you know, these people's laws. He also talked about how he wanted to get the social security and it should be visited every five years, scaring those old folks. Social security, money, there's something that you work for your whole life. They shouldn't be moving the goalpost on there. So to get back on that law enforcement piece of um, Trump talking about how he's supposed to be the face of law enforcement, how do you feel a capital uh, at a January 6th when these people beat up these law enforcement people, a law enforcement person died and he wouldn't even raise the flag. There was not a single GOP person rather than the couple of people that lost their seats because they're the ones that was willing to speak up for law enforcement. How do you feel when the party continuously tell you that, oh, we are the ones for law enforcement? However, they don't do nothing. Because when I had this, when I had that conversation with that 26-year police officer in Michigan, he told me about how Biden is so bad for them. And I'm like, why are you even, why are you even taking sides in politics when you know, you're supposed to understand that there shouldn't be a president that care for or doesn't care for police officers because it's on his watch. He is to serve and protect. 
So for you to allow any type of police chief, because the police chief takes sides on you know who he's endorsing and trickles it down to make you think that somebody doesn't care for you when you're not following the policies and the bills being passed to say that, you know what? They're saying this thing about this president. However, it doesn't match. He did this for us. He did this for us. The numbers increased, the, you know, our budget increased under them. So how is it that we are being told, I, I, I turn on the news and all I keep hearing is people saying that these people don't care about us. Take it so from you, here. You, you asked a million you asked, questions. You asked a couple questions. So my question to you is what specific question you want me to answer? <laughs> what is the question, dude? <laughs> Hold up, Shafiq, don't make it as a joke. Hold up, we only got a few minutes. And I, I What's what the specific, specific question? I wanted to let it all out. I wanted to let it all out. Now we could dissect it. Let's talk about the law enforcement first. The law enforcement piece where... I said that, you know, Trump made an announcement yesterday about how he's all for law enforcement. But then when the cop got killed at the January 6th, he couldn't even raise the flag for them. Talk to me about that. How do you feel about that? All right. So I will not speak on behalf of my police department. I will only speak. Uh, um, I'm only going to speak uh, uh, just facts. All right. Um, when the. Uh, when we had a slew of mass shootings and misuse of, we'll call it incidents of misuse of firearms, which were not classified as mass shootings, um, you know, legislation was changed. In the city of New Haven, when, you know, when we had our token African-American President Barack Obama in the city of New Haven, um, gun violence did not um, go down, it went up. Um, and uh, in this past year, in Connecticut specifically, we've had one of the most horrendous um, incidents of violence against police officers, where two police officers in Bristol were um, were murdered. Um, since then, I've heard no, um, I, I, I've heard no political candidates talking about any kind of uh, reform or any kind of legislative accountability to hold people accountable for um, any kind of assault on public safety, whether it's a police officer, or whether it's a firefighter, whether it's you're going to be your AMR, whether it's going to be, whether it's going to be the numerous people inside um, the Young Haven Hospital that are attacked um, by, um, you know, people that um, are, whether they're diagnosed with uh, mental health issues or whether they're just drunk, or whether they're just on drugs, whether they're just angry, um, or people that just commit um, absolute violence against people that uh, are attempting to help them, period. Um, I think that, uh, you know, as anybody in, a, in any profession to have um, their, your quality of life while you're at work decrease um, in terms of workforce safety, whether or not you choose a profession, whether your life is on the line or not, I think that to not speak out against, um, I would say, out of the ordinary instances, um, is a is a is a is, is really a miss for any political candidate that wants to um, get those particular people to vote for them, right? If you want teachers to, if you want a teachers union or to back you, you want to get teachers to vote for you, you have to address their problems. If something happens and a student kills a teacher or attacks a teacher and puts them in the hospital, and something like that has never happened before, and you as a political candidate don't seek to address that to make sure that does not happen again or reduce the amount of times that happen, no matter the profession. I think that as a candidate, you're, you're gambling on that particular um, constituents of people in that career. I think that applies for um, anybody in any particular career or job, regardless of the circumstance. So my second, um, my second one was um, when I said about GOP running on violence, just candidates running on violence, but not producing any type of solution to how they're going to solve their problem. Um, so I think that candidates do that. I think that candidates do that all the time. I mean, candidates do that every day from our mayors to our uh, congressmen, congresswomen, they, we run, we elect political figures based off of promise and not off of track record. You have people that are running for president, people that are running for Congress, people that are running for Senate that have views and have, you know, vague plans on climate change that have had done nothing, that they have done nothing to, you know, um, do anything to combat climate change. They're driving Ford F-150s that went on diesel, um, you know, to their summer ranch out in wherever it is in Northern Connecticut, um, and, they're, and they're running for office. I'm not, I mean, I don't know if anybody actually does, I'm not saying convicted, but we have, you know, we often, we often, and unfortunately we do this with celebrities and a lot of famous people, a lot of people that are rich and a lot of people that run for office. We often think that when these people speak out on their opinions, um, that these are, 
that these are, you know, one, their ideas, which are probably populated to them by somebody else that probably either got paid to do it or was like, hey, this is a good idea. And he was like, you sort of kind of sound right. Let me do some research and get back to you and maybe I'll run with it. Or people that had, you know, political views or just personal views and make them political on things that they had never done themselves. You know, if I decided that I ever wanted to run for office and I had a, um, and I had a, you know, a view on, I don't know, I had a view on, um, you know, drug abuse, um, on, you know, on drug abuse and, and drug reform. I don't have any track record with helping anybody on um, drug reform outside of being a police officer, which, I, you know, you can leave it up to the public whether or not considers help. I don't have, never worked in a mental health facility. I've never administered Narcan. You know, I've never, you know, worked in a halfway house. I don't have any, um, you know, experience outside being a police officer dealing with these people and furthering them post arrest, I guess you could say. So for me to be a, a political candidate, let's say 20, 50 years down the line, and somebody to take my, um, you know, take my advice as fact, it behooves them to not do the proper research to see if this person actually did mm. what they're saying they're going to do. And do they have a track record of actually doing what they say they're going to do? No matter the, you know, matter by the circumstance, are they a person of broken promises? We get, we we take too many people work for granted, um, and we don't we just you don't check them. Is there ever a time? Is there ever a yeah. time where you could be a regular citizen when you could take your police hat off and you go into a, a some type of town hall meeting when a candidate is blah 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 about how yeah. much they care for violence, and then you look on your track record and you realize that it doesn't match? Well, you are able to speak out and say, hey, you know, your track record doesn't match what you were saying. And you know, and putting back your your hat, your law enforcement hat on, and saying, "I would love to see you make my job easier," but the track record is not matching. And if we are giving you the opportunity, are you really, really going to solve this problem or help solve this problem? I think that I, I think that I would love. I think I would love for you know that you know situation to come into um, you know to come into fruition. But the reality of this is, is it's very difficult in today's climate to do that in an open forum. That is something you do behind closed doors. Um, if you do it, if it's said incorrectly, um, if it's said incorrectly, it, it can come off as arrogant, um, comes off as very abrasive, um, or it can be misconstrued and just open up what we call, you know, um, you know, almost like our, you know, public can of whooping, you know? Um, you know, they did that, you know, I would say that um, specifically why I, did, I actually went as a just regular everyday person. They did that when Compass was first being formed, um, they held a community, like public forum at one, um, one second. Uh, let me do the one second. Let me do the station ID and then you could continue. Yeah. This is the Urban Talk Radio 103.5 FM WNHH. I am your host, Kinsley Osei, and my co-host Shafiq. And if you are just joining us in the last part of our show, you can follow the conversation on Facebook at Bowmines and Twitter at Bowmines. Also on my Facebook page, Kinsley OSEI. You can also stream this show and previous shows on your smartphone by logging on to newhavenindependent.org. Remember, Urban Remember, thank, uh, Urban Talk Radio airs every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Thank you for joining us with our special guest, Ismail Abduzbar. Uh, go ahead. Finish what you were so saying. So he's going to shut the up. So talk time up. So, so we, we got like one, if we've got 30 seconds, because he's going to shut it down. Yeah, go okay. ahead. Right All right, so I just say this real quick. Went to the, uh, when the compass was first being um, brought to New Haven, they went to um, Hill House and had this uh, uh, public forum about what kind of input they wanted. And that's exactly what happened. They asked about the track record, how much it was going to cost, who's going to be qualified to do it, and what they're going to do. And nobody had any answers. You know, people that were creating the program didn't have any answers. Um, you know, the political people that were there, I'm not going to name, didn't have any answers. Nobody had any answers. Um, but, you know, they trusted the process. The process is now out, and hopefully God willing, it works. So that's a prime example of what you're talking about. So, sounds like I'm, is my last words. It sounds like if you're running for office and you want the millennial vote, don't worry about delivering the meal. Sell them the menu. <laughs> you don't worry about the meal. I'm gonna just sell you the menu. You know. <laughs> yeah. All right, King, take us home, man. Well, man, we already did, man. It looks like you need to be consulting some of these candidates, man. <laughs> well, yeah. You know what? I'm impressed. You are very well informed. Sometimes Shafiq be trying to cut me off like my questions are not relevant or something. But you know what? I'm biased and I go in on my bias. You know what I'm saying? Right. I go in because I call I call it. We we debate. I celebrate that we, too much. We I'm debate a lot on this on this show, and I am very informed about a lot of stuff that goes on. I may not be right all the time, but I'm very well informed. No, you're not right all the time. And you know, you seem to be very informed, very well informed, and I'm impressed. 
And I always say that, you know what, you know, we got politicians just selling us a whole lot of nothing and get votes for it. And you guys are the change. I always say that, you know what, the millennials and this so-called Generation Z, you guys are going to make the change. You guys are the change. You guys can change the game. It depends on you guys. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, all of the new candidates out there, don't worry about selling the meal, just selling the menu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Shafiq, that's why we got to continue to teach uh, civic engagement. I talk about it all the oh. time, man. Civic engagement is very, I thought every program in the city, in the state, every youth program should be teaching civic engagement. You know, every program should be teaching it. Had a dollar for everything that should happen, I'd be a million. Well, civic engagement is one of them. That is definitely. If I had $10, I'd be a Politics rules our everyday life, and civic engagement is just <laughs> as important. You know, people wait until the 11th hour to see uh, billboard signs and a whole lot of money spent on advertisement just to pick a candidate to go vote for that they didn't know nothing about. Yeah. You know, and that is the problem that we have, you know. Harry, where's our music, man? You're doing not a good job today. You ain't giving us no music. <laughs> Harry shut us down at 2 o'clock at 12 no. on the dot. Yeah. All right. Well, look, Ismail, thank you for coming on. Appreciate you, man. You did a good job. Hopefully, we can have you back on the show. And uh, we're gonna bring one. We're gonna bring. We're gonna bring another friend. We're gonna have you bring one of your friends on. Yeah, you uh -huh. this perspective. No. You got the greatest job in the world now. You a father. Make sure you make sense when you talk now. Slipping up. Look what I'm whipping up. All right, I'm signing off.